0: We can live in a money pit, money pit. If your basement needs a
1: pump, or your place looks like a dump, you living in a money pit, money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by
2: calling eight
0: eight eight money pit. The money pit is presented by
3: Page Stone, Wagner Sprayers, and Quick Creek. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: We're here to help you with projects you're doing or projects you're dreaming about. Give us a call because we'd love to help you get those jobs done. The number is 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. We are at our core, Home Improvers. Well, I'm more of a home improver, and I would say, Leslie, you're more of a home decorator. We kind of have both sides of this covered, right? I
1: make improvements when necessary. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. To get
3: the decorating done, you'll fix stuff. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> and, and to get home improvements finished, I'll occasionally even decorate. But <laughs> we, we don't claim to know it all, but we, we probably know enough between the two of us to help you with projects that you'd like to get done. So think about that and give us a call. The number is 888 money You can call us any time of the day or night that you hear this program, whether it is live or it is by podcast. You're welcome to contact us at 888-666-3974, and we will call you back the next time we're in the studio. Well, coming up on this edition of the Money Pit, if you threw open your windows for fresh air and then choked on all the dust that came flying off, you may have noticed that your shades need a little bit of attention. And when it comes to spring cleaning, they are often overlooked because they're so delicate. We're going to have some tips, though, on how you can clean those shades without damaging them.
1: And speaking of dust, have you noticed that your allergies are particularly bad this time of year? Well, it turns out that quarantines can actually make allergies worse. We're going to explain why and provide tips on places allergens hide that you may never have even thought of in just a bit.
3: And if you'd like to improve your outdoor space by adding an outdoor kitchen or maybe just a fire pit or a grill enclosure or a planter or a bench, there is a really easy way to do that that is as simple as stacking blocks. We're going to tell you what that is.
1: But first, we want to know what you want to know. What are you working on this week? If you've got a project that you'd like to get done, but you need some help, you're stuck on a certain part, maybe you need some help solving a problem. Whatever it is, we are here to lend a hand.
3: The number is one888 money pit 886663974, or post your questions at facebook.com or Instagram, The Money Pit.
1: Renee, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today?
2: My question is concerning my sump pump. Obviously, a sump pump in the basement. And for a long time, for several months, I had not heard the sump pump going off. A few weeks, a few months ago, when it was raining very hard, I went down to the basement to see why the sump pump wasn't kicking on, and it was the be- the well was filled with water, so I went ahead and I you know drained the water out by you know bucketing, taking buckets of this pouring buckets of water out, so I got down to see where the ball um the ball was, okay. and uh it still wouldn't come on, so i i I tapped the ball and then eventually, when the water rose, it did kick on again. But then, now I'm hearing this gurgling sound in my kitchen sink piping, and I want to know why.
3: Where where is the sump pump discharging? Is it dust discharging into this basement sink?
2: The sump pump discharges; it's connected to the outside sewer line, and that's I guess that sewer uh, the line um, is connected to the to the, basement, uh, the kitchen sink.
3: Okay, so f- so first of all, it has to go through a trap. If it doesn't go through a trap, you may get sewage gas that comes back into the basement. So that's the first thing. Um, Secondly, the gurgling might just because it doesn't have enough uh, water in the sump itself. You're probably pulling a lot of air in there. And thirdly, because your sump pump was filling up when you had heavy rain, The source of that water is easily within your ability to repair and stop. Generally, when your sump pump fills up after heavy rain, it's because your gutters are clogged or overflowing or your downspouts are not discharging away from the foundation or the soil around the house is not slipping away from the outside walls. That's what causes problems with uh, water filling up in basements and, fl- and floods in, in a sort because that outside surface drainage is just not set up right. So I would focus on re- improving your exterior drainage. There's a great article on moneypit.com about how to solve wet basements. A lot of that advice applies to this. Uh, and then you'll find that the sump pump will have to run that much less. Okay,
2: that's great
3: news. Renee, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT.
1: Steven in Texas needs some help with a cabinet project. What can we do for
0: you? Yeah, so my wife has uh, challenges with chemicals like uh, formaldehydes and glues and paints that they put in the kitchen cabinets, the new ones. And I was wondering if you had any idea like what a person could use that you could get away from them type of chemicals in the cabinets.
3: So you're looking for a cabinet manufacturer that is sort of formaldehyde-free and VOC-free, is that correct? Yeah, that'd be right, yes. Steve, that's an interesting question because when it comes to kitchen cabinets, so many of the products that go into kitchen cabinets have the potential to have VOCs or volatile organic compounds in them because you could start with the boards that are used to build the cabinets, if they're uh, a a press board or a composite board of some sort that may have formaldehyde in it, for example. Then you have the finishes and on and on and on. I think what you want to do is you want to look for kitchen cabinetry that is built to meet the new CARB two standard, that CARB two standard that stands stands for the California Air Resources Board, and that's a standard that measures the level of those types of toxins in cabinetry. And so, if you search for kitchen cabinets that meet that standard, I think that's a good place to start.
0: Would you have any idea, like maybe some um, metal cabinets? You know, like that would look nice in a kitchen, like. Would you have any ideas on something like
3: that? Well, you'd still have finishes on metal cabinets that would have some of the same issues. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen metal cabinets in a kitchen in forever. Um, The Gladiator folks at Whirlpool are doing a really good job these days with um, metal cabinetry for laundry rooms and utility areas and uh, spaces like that. But I don't know if that cabinet line is going to extend to the point where you'd have enough flexibility to do it in a kitchen.
1: Well, I can share with you a vendor of a, you know, no formaldehyde added cabinetry. They're actually beautiful handmade wooden cabinets. I'm not sure of their price point, but I am familiar with the fact that they are not adding any chemicals to it. And they are very responsible in how they utilize the wood and the products that they use to make their cabinets um, it's a company out of Portland, and their name is Neil Kelly, and it's N-E-I-L-K-E-L-L-Y. And then there was a metal cabinet manufacturer that I was familiar with a while ago. It's Philip Metal, and it's F-I-L-L-I-P. Um, it's sort of this you know, new revival of some interesting repurposed materials, and you, know, you might want to check them out as well.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much for the information.
3: I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT.
1: Paula in Missouri is on the line and wants to get a heated floor in her home. How can we help you? We
2: have an old farmhouse, which is over 160, 170 years old. And the only floor that downstairs that is over a cellar is the kitchen floor. Mm -hmm. And if you go down in the cellar and look up, you see chunks of trees on which is wooden floor. And then if you go up to the kitchen, there's, tile. I mean, some kind of linoleum tile on top of that. And I'm wondering if it's possible to heat the floor before putting on new tile or...
3: Well, it's certainly possible to insulate the floor for one thing. And... A good option for this type of floor might be spray foam insulation because it sounds like it's a sort of a non-traditionally framed floor. Spray foam can fill in all those nooks and crannies, stop drafts from coming up from the basement, and give you a really warm surface. In terms of putting, say, a radiant heat product down, you absolutely can do that. Uh, You have to have a nice, flat, smooth surface, but there are radiant floor products that are designed to go under tile, for example, that are low voltage, and they're surprisingly affordable to run, especially if you run them on a timer so that they're not on all the time, and that could make that floor a lot more comfortable. So I think the solution, Paula, is a combination of insulation and radiant heat, not just radiant heat itself, because if you don't insulate
1: it, uh,
3: it has to work that much harder to warm the floor up. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Good luck with that project, Paula. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pet.
1: Charlie in Texas is on the line and has a question about a porch. What's going on?
0: I added a, a portion to a porch. I had it done. I had a pergola put on it. And the concrete has risen up about an inch from the other part, portion that was already poured. Uh, you have any ideas what I can do about that?
3: Huh. So it rose up. Do you have expansive soils in your part of the country?
0: Uh, no, it's pretty clay soils and uh did have a sprinkler system underneath it but i had completely tapped it off and everything and then i had a company come in there and pour this slab so i could put a pergola on it and it has risen about an inch above where the original porch was poured
3: so it didn't crack it just it basically just like raised up above the old level is that correct that's correct. And the reason I ask you about expansive soils, there's a type of soil called expansive clay soil, and there's a, a, you know, a fairly good amount of it in, in Texas. Uh, and when expansive clay soils get wet, they expand. And that could cause this heaving. I don't think it's frost heave. Oh, no, it's not that at all. Because you don't have that, those kinds of swings. But it may be the soils, and you're not going to be able to get it to settle back down again. I can tell you that. So if you do redo this, right, and if you dig it out and redo it, one of the things that you might talk to the the contractor about is they may be able to insert, drill some rebar into the old concrete, and basically have have a physical connection between the two to keep them in, in, in uh, basically in line. Right. It's going to be not an easy, and it's going to depend on on how thick that old that the original surface is, and whether they can do it without cracking, and and so on. So that's one thing I would say. And then the other thing I would talk, I would see is pay careful attention to how you prep. The base underneath this slab that you're now going to replace um, to make sure that it's dug out enough, it's got stone in it, it's it's well tamped, mechanically tamped would be smart. You know, if you had six inches of stone before you put the concrete in and then you put rebar on top of that, keep it all in one piece when it's poured you know, that's going to be a lot harder for that to move even if you do get some expansion. And then just be very cautious of water collection in that area. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you have downspouts that may, like, drain towards that area or is there anything else that's, that's causing water to, to, you know, congregate in that area, and you could minimize that, that would help if, in fact, you do have uh, these types of expansive soils that I'm talking about. There's a product called Recap that will stick to old concrete. Yeah, what if you were to make a band of, of, uh, basically sort of trowel yourself a ramp, right? Not, I mean, I would make it like 12 inches wide where it took the high edge of the new slab and then tapered it down to the old porch so that it wasn't like a tripping hazard there. I mean, because replacing this thing is going to be really expensive and it's a lot of work. If you don't, yes, yeah, if you don't mind trying this in the interim, you, you might want to pick up some recap. Essentially, the way it works is you clean the concrete and then you wet it down. You trowel on this recap. If it was me, what I would do is I would, probably snap a chalk line that about 12 inches from the in from the new edge, so that I had something to aim towards, right? And then I would build it up even with the new edge, and I would trowel it down to hit that chalk line at the low edge. Yeah. And then right. you, you basically, the reason you're using recap is because it sticks to the old concrete surface. Any other type of mortar is going to split off, right? This will stick to it. Um, and then you won't have this issue with uh, a tripping hazard. And then, frankly, if that works out for you, you could just paint the whole thing old and new, and it wouldn't be very obvious what. What you did. I appreciate it very much, sir. All right. Good luck, Charlie. Stay safe. Well, when it comes to spring cleaning, one thing that often gets ignored are the shades, and that's because today's cellular or pleated shades are delicate. So you
1: need to be careful. A good dusting with a vacuum cleaner is usually all that those pleated or cellular shades really need, but the trick is you got to take them down and lay them down fully extended on a clean bed sheet spread out on the floor or a table. Next, you've got to be sure that you lower that vacuum suction if possible. Now, most vacuums have a port on the extension that you can open up, and that's going to reduce the suction at the brush end.
3: Now, to keep those blinds working smoothly, just vacuum away the dust inside that open top headrail. That's where all of the sort of mechanical parts are and those gears are. And then spot clean stains by dabbing those smudges with a cloth dipped in just mild soapy water. Rinse it, blot it, and you are good to go. You can put all those blinds back together, and you will no longer have sneezes every time you raise and open them.
2: Sandy in Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yes, I was calling to ask about uh, building a garage My husband and I just bought a home. It's a uh, two-story colonial, but there's no garage. And um, we're trying to decide detached, attached, with or without a breezeway. Um, We know we want it to be oversized, um, but we're trying to decide uh, which would be the most efficient and convenient choice go with.
3: So it's as much an architectural question um, as it is a structural question, because you're trying to figure out what's going to fit best with the property. So that amount that involves looking at the house itself in terms of its design, and also looking at the neighborhood to uh, determine you know what's going to fit in well, because it's okay to have the nicest house on the block, but it's not okay if it's that much nicer that the rest of the neighborhood pulls it down in value. Does that make sense? Yes.
2: And, and and I think the rest of the homes are very, very similar, except they have garages.
3: Okay. Well, then that's a good model for you to, to follow. Okay. Now, if you have the breezeway, then obviously you're going to have more functional space. So I'm not quite sure what we can do to help you with this question because it's really a design... Uh, that you have to kind of agree on with your with your husband uh, and then and then set apart building it when when it does get built it obviously has to be built uh, by a pro in accordance with all of the local regulations which are going to probably require that you have a set of architectural plans okay so you may just want to start with that because an architects architects can help you look at the options very easily with the computer programming that they use today and, and and give you a chance to look at it uh, from uh, several different angles both outside and, and inside in terms of storage space and in different configurations
2: okay um also we need to replace the roof on the home so I was thinking you know making it attached or with a breezeway um, Kind of makes it a little bit more efficient as we change, as we replace the roof on the home, we'd be putting the roof on the garage as
3: well. Okay, well, it would make sense for you to do the entire roof and have that folded into the same project, and then you could, in fact, fold it into the same financing too if you're financing the project. So, yeah, I'm all for planning those projects to be done together because when the roofing team is on site, that will be the most cost-effective way to get it all done. Okay, and have it match. Okay, you know, we we did our roof uh, in the last year and we did everything but the garage, and the garage really didn't need it. But seeing that brand new, beautiful roof on the house, I just decided that I would uh, ignore the fact that I had a few years of life left in my garage roof. And we did that as well, which is why um, we always say that the three most expensive words in home improvement are might as well. Right. Right. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Bob in Tennessee, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today?
0: I have a friend who has a house with a metal roof on it. His cell service is pretty severely impacted every time somebody tries to call him on his cell phone when he's inside his house.
3: First off, you're... Cell is probably always very frequently, I should say, inside buildings that have metal roofs. I mean, you think about your church, your post office, uh, your bank, you know, restaurants. There's a lot of metal roofs out there. And if, if he's having a problem just in his own house, I would suspect that the signal is weak to begin with. And I think the solution is a little device called a cell phone booster. You know, a booster can be basically plugged in into the house, uh, inside of the house and it can like double or triple the range of the phone. So if 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 I was having that issue, I would just get a cell phone booster, install it in my house, it's not a very expensive piece of equipment and, and solve my problem once and for all.
0: Okay. Interesting. But well, I just I just wondered
3: about that. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 money pit.
1: Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?
3: Well, it's time to talk about the impact of quarantine on allergies. Let me tell you how this story came about. So I have a very good friend, Jeff May. I've known him for probably 20 years. And Jeff is an indoor air quality expert. He's a building scientist. He's written four books for Johns Hopkins University Press on all sorts of issues concerning indoor air quality from mold uh, and up. And Jeff was telling me that he's getting more and more calls from his clients during quarantine periods than ever before. And we're talking about folks that are having allergic reactions actions which beg the question why is that we're going to find out right now from jeff may jeff welcome to the program
0: thanks tom a pleasure.
3: I got to tell you, so this is the conversation that we just had with Jeff when we called him for this interview. He said, "Oh, I was just doing an experiment. I was taking my particle monitor and trying to figure out if I put a neckerchief in front of it, how much particles could get through." Because i would be telling people to wear masks. <laughs> Only you, Jeff, would be doing that, having a particle monitor to test that. So, so what? Did, I have to ask you, what did you find out? Were our bandanas effective?
0: <laughs> well, it should it should have been me and the CDC, but actually the. I haven't been doing it long enough because there's so much dust on the bandana itself <laughs> that when you first turn the thing on, it's actually higher than the ambient air. Oh, boy. But uh, it's really, I mean, it's, if you can put anything over your face, it's certainly going to be helpful either, you know, preventing people, you know, exhaling onto others or inhaling from others.
3: So secret is just start with a clean bandana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but you can't even make it that clean. I mean, so I have to figure out a way to do the, you know, time it differently.
3: <laughs> okay, all right. So, Jeff, um, let's talk about this idea on how uh, how how come allergies are a lot worse this time. What what are you hearing from your clients and from others in the industry?
0: Most people focus on outdoor air quality, and uh, now you know there is some attention being paid to indoor air quality. But in fact, a lot of people. Are, are sick because of what they breathe from, uh, from surfaces and heating and cooling in the house. So most, what's interesting is we find women are often sicker and kids sicker than men because the men aren't home as much. So now men are home more, and so we're starting to see more uh, reactions, and the kids and the moms as well.
3: So basically you're seeing a connection between the increased time spent at home and allergy sufferers.
0: Correct. I mean, it, it makes sense because you have that much more, you know, exposure. And some of the worst things, and I think we mentioned that in one of the article, in that article we did for you, the, uh, you know, basement offices, uh, a lot of people have offices, and you know, they exercise in the basement, and often those are the places that are very contaminated. And so spending more time in a space like that, can really affect your health.
1: Now, I imagine people who have more folks that are at home throughout this are really seeing, you know, higher instances of irritants. Does it really affect it, the quantity of people that are home?
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. I mean, sure, the more people that are home, you know, the higher the level of, you know, carbon dioxide from, from breathing. But I think the more serious exposures would really come from the furnishings and from the heating and cooling system. Well, at this point, it'll be heating mostly. Now, Jeff,
1: do you think that the number of people at home impacts the amount of allergens that are in the house? Because I will say, three of us at home over these weeks of quarantine, I am vacuuming, dusting, cleaning, you know, far more often, you know, more often than I thought I was doing before.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense because... Uh, people shed skin scales, and that's primarily what dust is made up of. So it's a very fine white powder. And so the more people you have, the more dust. And also the more lint you have. You know, Clothing if it releases a lot of lint into the air as you move around. So you'll also be getting more dust that way.
3: We're talking to Jeff May. Jeff is a building scientist and an indoor air quality expert with four books that he's written for Johns Hopkins University Press, longtime contact and friend of The Money Pit. And Jeff, you wrote a story for us, which is on the homepage of moneypit.com, about this issue of how the quarantine is impacting the number of allergens in our homes and what to do about it. And you have some really surprising things in that. So I want to go through these tips uh, quickly so that we kind of cover some of the things that people maybe have not thought about. Now, the first one you mentioned, of course, is to wash clothing and bedding in hot water and turn your dryer to the hot scenting to kill dust mites. We've talked about that before. Um, the next one, though, is your dryer hose. You mentioned the amount of lint in the house and vent into the exterior. Good trick here. You say if there's lint behind your dryer, the hose may be leaking. I've never connected those two, and that makes a lot of sense.
0: There'll always be a small amount of lint, but there should not be a lot of lint. And if there is a lot of lint, that means that you're breathing in the chemicals that's on the lint that's left over from the detergent, and that can be irritating.
3: Now, I love this next one because I I don't think anyone has ever thought of this. You say that if you're sitting down for an extended period of time, you're reading a book, you're binge watching Netflix, it's better to use a leather or vinyl covered chair or sofa. Why is that?
0: Because the, uh, Moisture from your body where you sit for a long period of time goes into the cushion. And basically, there's enough skin scales or dust in any cushion to feed the dust mites. All they really need is moisture from our bodies. And so if you sit for a long time in one place, there's a lot of moisture. And so the dust mites are extremely happy.
1: Geez, now what can we do to sort of minimize these dust mites? Is there a certain way we should be laundering our clothing? I mean, a certain spot I should be looking to clean extra?
0: The best thing you can do for dust mites is have uh, dust mite covers on, uh, on the, on the beds and even, you know, the cushions as well. The, um, the dust mites, as I said, they need that moisture, and if you put the type of uh, dust mite encasing on a bed that has a polyurethane liner on it, then it doesn 't allow much moisture and the a lot of the liners dust mite covers uh, here 's a good tip actually. If you can breathe through a liner, if you put it up to your mouth and exhale or inhale, if the air goes through readily, then the allergens from the dust mites can also go through so wow. that 's why I always recommend uh, the one liner that has a little thin plastic film at the inside and they 're very you know they 're very soft and comfortable. And another thing to think about, actually, if there's kids with if you have a child with asthma and, you know, he's uh, he has a dust mite cover and you have another kid who does not have uh, asthma and no dust mite cover, you can still get allergens from one child's bed to the other. And so you really have to, if, if you have children with asthma, you have to have those covers on all the beds.
3: So Jeff, you also have a great tip here about cleaning in the kitchen. Now, I'm sure we're all, we're cooking more and we're cleaning more in that room, but you identify one space in the kitchen that is one that I bet no one is thinking about, and that is the kick space under the cabinet. So what happens in that little space?
0: I check with a mirror and a flashlight when I do my investigations. And when you look underneath in the kick space, there's Lots of uh, tons of dust and pet hairs, and uh, very often those the dust gets wet, and so you often find mold growing on the kick space because nobody ever cleans them.
3: Wow, that's a good point. So if you see those spots of mold, you just wipe the surfaces with a diluted uh, bleach solution?
0: You can, yeah, or just any detergent. But uh, you know, for somebody that uh, has a lot of allergies, it's best to vacuum it first with a HEPA vacuum, and then you can wipe it.
3: Yeah, and that's another good point. To always use a HEPA vacuum. It's a high-efficiency particulate vacuum uh, because if you use a regular vacuum, you're basically going to be regurgitating all of that dust right back into the air. So HEPA vacuums are really important. Now, that would be an appliance if you don't have one worth investing. You can certainly order it online and, and have it delivered. Well, Jeff's article is called Can Quarantine Make Allergies Worse? It is live on MoneyPit.com on the homepage. You've got more tips in here about toilets and toilet paper and how to clean. Clean and how to clean and avoid even more allergens. So I encourage you folks to read uh, Jeff's story on MoneyPit.com. He's also um, available at MayIndoorAir.com. That's Jeff's website, MayIndoorAir.com. If you need an expert and you are in the Boston area, that's where Jeff is based. And I'm sure, I don't know, Jeff, even if you're uh, not in the Boston area, you are you doing some teleconferencing these days and teleconsulting?
0: Yep, phone consults, very helpful. People email me pictures and and then we talk about that. So uh, it can be very helpful.
3: You know, so many folks that are in this business um, have a conflict of interest. They're there to find something wrong and, and get you to pay them to fix it. That's not Jeff. Jeff is a true expert, one of the best experts in the country on indoor air quality. And if you've got a serious issue with your house, I cannot recommend him enough. Jeff, thank you so much for the great post and for stopping by the Money Pit today. Thank you, Tom. Keep up the good work.
1: Well, if you'd like to improve your outdoor space by adding an outdoor kitchen, a fire pit, a grill enclosure, planters, or even a bench, there's a really easy way that you can do that with a product called Rumblestone. Now, these are made by pavestone and are rustic-looking stones that come in project kits, and you simply stack them together like Legos in a predetermined pattern to build all kinds of popular outdoor features. And because they're modular, they really make it easy and fast and affordable to upgrade your backyard with, you know, amenities like an outdoor kitchen, a fire pit, even a bench. You can find some of these RumbleStone kits. They start at about $250, and they can also be used for traditional paver projects like patios, walls, even landscaping borders.
3: And if you want to strengthen the finished product, you can even use the QuickCrete polymer construction adhesive between the stones. So you essentially are gluing them together. There's no mortar required whatsoever. Now, right now, if we've inspired you to maybe think about this project, there's a great step-by-step video of a beautiful outdoor kitchen topped with a QuickCrete concrete counter. Countertop. It's available online, so you can head on over to moneypit.com and see just that. Rumble Stones can be a really beautiful addition to your outdoor living space. Learn more about them at pavestone.com. That's pavestone.com.
1: Wilson in North Carolina is on the line dealing with a funky smell coming out of the sink. What's going on?
0: Yes, I have a water smelling problem. I got wet water, and we got a lot of uh, strong smelling. It's like rotting egg especially in the hot water. We change the water heater. Still, it smells. Uh, do I need to change the, also the plumbing, all the pipe in the house, or just flush it? If I need flash flush, what kind of cleaners do I need to use?
3: So you've replaced your water heater and you're still having this smell of sulfur. So that eliminates one possibility, which is the anode rod. Sometimes if the anode rod becomes worn out inside the water here, you will get a sulfur smell. I think the next best thing for you to do, Wilson, is to add a charcoal filter to the system. But I don't want you to add it at the faucet. I want you to add it where the main water valve comes into the house. This is a good opportunity for a whole house water filter. And if your water's not been tested, I would also have it tested at the same time just to make sure that there are not any additional contaminants in that water aside from that sulfur odor.
1: Whatever you are working on this spring season, perhaps it's an outside project and you need a hand. Well, Jerry writes to us with one of those questions now, and he says, I'm hearing from deck painting companies who claim that the products they use can stain and protect a wood deck for 20 years or more can I get this product and just do it myself?
3: Wow, that's pretty impressive. 20 years. <laughs> I don't think that that is accurate, Jerry. Um, but I do have a sense as to what they're talking about. They're probably referring to a category of products that it's still fairly new as far as I'm concerned, because I've only really seen them around on a regular basis for a few years. And they're called high build elastomeric coatings. So high build is tech talk for thick paint. And elastomeric is the type of product because it expands and tracks with the substrate, which in this case is your wood deck. Now, there's a little history here you should know. About 20 years ago, we began hearing about companies who would make similar durability claims for products called liquid vinyl siding, and they had hard-selling contractors who would claim they could apply this paint to your wood-sided home, and it would last and perform like vinyl siding. It did just that except for months, not decades, and then it began to peel off, or worse yet, it would allow water to get behind it and rot the set in. And then when they started claiming it also added to the building's ability to insulate, well, that's when the Federal Trade Commission stepped in and put the kibosh on all of that. So today, we don't hear much about the liquid vinyl, but there are good finishes that can protect and restore decks. I would work with name brands, like the Sherwin-Williams Company has the Super Deck, and then Rust-Oleum has the Deck and Concrete Restore product. These can fill gaps as large as about a quarter inch and they adhere really well just keep in mind the coverage is really about a quarter of what it is for a gallon of paint because they are so thick you know a gallon of paint a gallon of these thicker high bonding primers is only going to cover about 75 square feet so maybe you start with a small area like say your staircase make sure it works for you and then you can go for the rest
1: all right jerry good luck with that i hope that you're new well i guess we can call it new because it'll be freshened up deck you know looks good like new new.
3: (laughs) Well, spring and summer are peak season for real estate sales. And if you're the owner of a home that's new or maybe just new to you, it's tempting to move in now and paint later. But painting before you move in is hands down the best bet. Leslie's got the reasons why in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie?
1: So many reasons. Listen, guys, I get it. After months of dreaming about your new home, it's finally yours and you want nothing more than to get in there get your things inside. But... Before you schedule those movers, consider these reasons to start with a few coats of paint instead. Now, the simplest reason, interior painting is a lot simpler when you can move freely in an empty space. I mean, think about it, guys. Move the furniture in, then move it around again, then move it around again. No one wants that. I mean, painting first is also going to save a lot of time. Your painting project is going to take so much longer moving that furniture, hanging art, rehanging art, repairing the walls. It's also going to save a lot of money. If you're working with a professional painting contractor, they're going to finish that much faster in an empty space, and that's going to keep those dollars in your pocket. Now, painting first also simplifies interior decorating. If you're designing a space from scratch, starting with that fresh coat of paint can actually help you drive all your other decisions so that you end up with that picture-perfect result. And finally, it feels good. I mean, there's nothing like a new coat of paint to make a home seem cleaner, fresher, more welcoming, and more yours. Make sure you use a top quality 100% acrylic latex paint and you'll get a stain resistant finish that'll look new for years to come.
3: This is The Money Pit, home improvement show. Coming up next time on the show, backyard honeybee hives are becoming a huge DIY trend. We're going to share the buzz on this very sweet project on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Remember, you can do it
0: yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.